So good morning again, and a brief reminder of the various ways that we have to give to support the Lord's work here at Peninsula Bible Church Cupertino, of um, texting the word give to our text number, giving online, or putting a check in the uh, offering box at the back. Now over these four weeks of Advent, our preaching series is going to be uh, based upon just a little portion of one verse. Uh, and it's, uh, but it's a very significant verse, a famous verse, Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, uh, where we get these wonderful names that are given, uh, that a, a child will be born and a son will be given, and his name will be Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. So we're going to take those four pairs of names uh, and look at them over these next four Sundays, beginning with Sean today, who will look at Wonderful Counselor. So to set this up, I'm going to, as the scripture reading, uh, read the wider context for that, Isaiah chapter 9, verses 1 through 7. So hear the word of the Lord. But there will be no gloom for her who was in anguish. In the former time, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the latter time, he has made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee, of the nations. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelled in the land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. You have multiplied the nation, you have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. For the yoke of his burden and the staff for his shoulder the rod of his oppressor you have broken as on the day of Midian. For every boot of the trampling warrior in battle tumult and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Wow, thank you, Kelly and team. And good morning. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. Those are familiar words, aren't they? Thanks to George Frederick Handel and his Messiah Oratorio, nearly everyone has heard those words. Although for me, I think it was Charlie Brown. <laughs> As Werner said, What Child Is This is the title of our Advent series this year. And we will focus on verse 6. And those four titles given to this child, Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Extraordinary names for a child, aren't they? I wonder what Isaiah thought when he wrote those names 
for a child. So today, wonderful counselor. Where do you go for wonderful counsel? Where do you go for wise counsel today? Where do you go for wisdom on how to live life in the real world today? Our lives here in the West are quite complicated, aren't they? We lead busy, fragmented, difficult, distracted lives, moving to and fro at a breakneck pace, trying to get all of our to-dos done, and we end up each night exhausted, laying in bed, only to wake up and repeat it all over the next day. Kind of like the movie uh, Groundhog Day. And the Advent Christmas season only makes it worse, doesn't it? It adds to the complications. It adds to the busyness. And then at some point in this real world, our lives fall apart. At some point, we enter darkness and gloom, don't we? Some of you might be here today in darkness and gloom. So especially when that happens, where do you go for wisdom? When things begin to unravel for you, where do you go for direction and discernment? As we'll see today, the prophet Isaiah, living some 2,800 years ago, has some thoughts of his own for where true wisdom can be found. Let's pray. Well, Lord God, as we come to your word today, will you illuminate our minds, rekindle our hearts, and strengthen our wills through your spirit? In Jesus' name, amen. So we're spending the next four weeks in Isaiah, an Old Testament prophet. And whenever we read a text from a prophet, we need to remember that the words are first spoken to a particular people in a particular place at a particular time for a particular purpose. And in particular, <laughs> Isaiah was speaking to a people who were living in the real world and were very anxious well, actually, they weren't just anxious. They were very afraid. Their world was falling apart. Their world was unraveling at a breakneck speed. It was the 8th century BC. Assyria was the dominant political and military power in the Middle East. And they were known to be absolutely ruthless. They've been called the Nazis of the ancient world. No one wanted to fall into their hands. And they were slowly gobbling up all the smaller, less powerful nations around them. So around 732 BC, the king of Assyria, Tiglath Pileser III, we'll call him Tiggy for short, <laughs> captured Syria 
Ten years later, he destroyed the northern kingdom of Israel. And he was purged at the border of Judah. So when Isaiah spoke about a child born and a son given, the people of Judah could hear the boots of trampling soldiers. Darkness was descending all around. Gloom was rising all around. Put, your shoe, put yourself in the shoes of these people. A superpower sits at your border, ready to invade, ready to destroy. You and your family are terribly afraid. But in the midst of it all, God speaks a word of hope. Have hope, he says. And why? Because of the power of your own army? No. Because another army will come and rescue you? No. Because you have great intelligence and great skill? No. God says, have hope because of a child. The foundation of your hope, Judah, is the birth of a child. What? A child? Yes, a child. The question then is who is this child? Who is this son to be given? Around the time Isaiah prophesied, the wife of King Ahaz gave birth to a son named Hezekiah. Was Hezekiah this special child on which this hope rested? He turned out to be a godly king, but he hardly ushered in the light and joy and freedom and peace that Isaiah saw in Isaiah 9. After Hezekiah came Josiah, and he was a really good king too. Was he this special child? He did bring in tremendous ethical and economic reform, yet he hardly ushered in the light and joy and freedom and peace envisioned in Isaiah 9. Who then is this child? Unless this child is born, the promises foretold in chapter 9 cannot be realized. Hope will not be realized. None of the kings that followed Josiah even came close. How could they? Hear those names again. Wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. How could any mere human possibly embody all that those names imply, let alone a helpless child? Now, anytime a child is born lifts our spirit, doesn't it? The miracle of birth does something for us. Isaiah is, however, obviously speaking of a special, unique birth. A child will be born. A son will be given. Note the verbs, born, given. Born suggests the child's real humanity. This child will be flesh and blood like you and me. 
Given obviously suggests a gift. Isaiah saw a gift, a special and unique gift. Isaiah went out under his Christmas tree 2,800 years ago and carefully unwrapped a box and out came a person. (laughs) Well, not quite. But he saw a child born, a son given, and his name was called Wonderful Counselor. And that child would be where hope would be found in the midst of darkness, gloom, and oppression. So what does Wonderful Counselor mean? In the Hebrew, it's two words. Wonderful is a word Isaiah uses in other places, but only of God. Only of God. It means marvelous, exceptional, even incomprehensible. It describes something that people wouldn't normally expect. Something we would say supernatural. Something that can only be attributed to God. It's first used in the Old Testament with the birth of Isaac. The birth of Isaac to a 90-year-old, previously barren woman named Sarah. That's quite marvelous and supernatural. Later, it's used of the power that God exhibited in the Exodus from Egypt. The signs and wonders that only God could do such as the parting of the Red Sea, to lead the Israelites to freedom. So here, the child to be born is wonderful. An incomprehensible, supernatural wonder from God. And this child will be a counselor, a child counselor. A counselor is one to whom we go for wisdom. Someone who embodies uprightness, discernment, and truth. Isaiah is promising something even better. He promises this child will be a wonderful counselor, implying this child will not only embody uprightness, discernment, and truth, he will also lead people into the very counsel of the living God. It'll be wonderful counselor, counseling. The implication is that this child will know God so thoroughly and intimately he will counsel people in God's wonderful plans and wonderful ways. In other words, this child will bring the wisdom of God with him. The wisdom of God Wisdom. In general terms, it means the ability to navigate life well and avoid the normal pitfalls which accompany life in the real world. In some ways, this is what we're always doing. 
from the time we're born, we're forming a wisdom system that includes ways of thinking about our identity, the meaning and purpose of life, what relationships are all about, where happiness is to be found, who God is, what's right and what's wrong, and a bunch of other things. We're all trying to make sense of our existence so that we can navigate life well in the real world. That's wisdom. Scripture, though, defines wisdom a little differently. Many years before Isaiah, the writer of Proverbs summarized wisdom in one phrase. The fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. In Isaiah, in a few more chapters, chapter 11, Isaiah will say that this child who will be born, who will be given, will delight in the fear of the Lord. He will be a wonderfully wise counselor. Now, don't get confused about this kind of fear. This fear, the fear of the Lord, is not the fear that makes us run away and hide. It's not that kind of fear. This fear is more like awe, but even that doesn't quite get at it. This fear is to trust and to be in sync with the basic order of things as God created them. That's the fear of the Lord. Now in Isaiah's time, the question that everyone was asking was, who is truly wise? Who is truly wise? Who really knows best how to live life in the real world? And those ancient Israelites answered that question with, we do, we know what's wise, we know how to live life best. And they simply did what was right in their own eyes. They even, in chapter eight, Isaiah says, they even consulted the dead through mediums instead of consulting God. In that time, each person decided for themselves what was their truth, what was their wisdom, and it plunged them into darkness and destruction. So I ask the question again, Where do we typically go to find wisdom for life in the real world today? Who is truly wise? Some people today go to the internet. Crowdsourced wisdom is all the rage. Someone asks a question about life either hypothetically or from an experience, and then seeks the crowd's insight for what is truly wise. The majority of votes means that's the wise answer. (laughs) For others, the way of wisdom is thought to be found in just knowing a lot of information. And indeed, we're the most technologically advanced society ever. With telescopes, we can peer into deep space and see faraway galaxies. With microscopes, we can see the basic building blocks of matter. After thousands of years of human experience, we now understand the basic foundations of life. 
And yet, with all of that knowledge, when I read the news, it doesn't seem like it translates into wisdom. It seems we're still struggling with how to live life well. We know so much about life in the real world, but it doesn't appear we know how to live it well. For others, the way of wisdom is found in self-help books. I just need to help myself get to the best life possible. For others, the way of wisdom just has to be the newest ideas and philosophies. I mean, if it's new, it has to be wise. But the ancient Israelites proved true wisdom cannot be found in humankind. True wisdom cannot be found in the knowledge, goodness, or reason of humankind. Wisdom cannot be found in science or self-help books or new ideas or new philosophies. It can't even be found with Charlie Brown. (laughs) So where is wisdom found? Who is truly wise? And Isaiah has an answer for us. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. Years passed. Decades passed. Centuries passed. And then it happened. In Bethlehem in Judea, during the time when Caesar Augustus thought he ruled the world, when he thought the government rested on his shoulders. In a village under occupation by foreign troops, the night sky was filled with an angelic army singing glory to God in the highest. And why? Because the child was born. The wonderful counselor had been born. Finally. And what a scene it was. It was a marvelous, exceptional, even an incomprehensible scene. A scene that can only be attributed to God. A virgin had given birth. Wonderful. A star appeared in the heavens announcing the birth. Wonderful. According to an angel, this child would save his people from their sins. Wonderful. And wise men. Noble pilgrims from the east came and they were honoring this child as a king. Wonderful. And yet, if we take a step back, here is a helpless child, unable to feed himself, unable to change himself, lying in a cattle trough, born into an evil world, at the mercy of sinners. Is this really wonderful? Is this really of God? Is this really wisdom? And yet, as this child grows up, according to Luke, he grows in the wisdom of the Lord. In one of his first sermons, he quotes from Isaiah 61, 
saying, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Those words sound remarkably similar to chapter nine, don't they? Those in darkness or blindness, there is light. For those under the yoke of oppression, there is liberty. For those struggling with bondage, there is freedom. Wonderful freedom. He then spends three years accomplishing those words, bringing the good news of God to all. Isn't that what we read throughout the Gospels? He lived in the thick of life. He showed us how to make life work in this real world. Primarily, he loved with abandon. He showed mercy with abandon. He showed compassion with abandon. And in his speech, he truly was a wonderful counselor, full of wisdom, insight, and truth. But in the end, he gets crucified on a cross. We don't like to talk about the cross during Advent time, but the cross is already in view at the manger. That's the hidden message of the manger. There's a cross looming. And at that cross, everyone asked, as Israel of old asked, is this true wisdom? Is this really in harmony with God's purposes? Is this way really the best way to live life in the real world? 20 years later, Paul reflects on the cross and he says this, for the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the discernment of the discerning I will thwart. For the foolishness of God is wiser than humankind and the weakness of God is stronger than humankind. So that your faith may not rest in the wisdom of humankind, but in the power of God. In other words, Paul is saying that the way of the cross is wisdom. This really is wonderful counsel. It's the way, the way of wisdom and understanding. Jesus and his way reveal the power of God. It's a different kind of power. It's the power of humility, self-negation, and self-giving love. All the things we've been talking about this fall from John. <laughs> it's foolishness to us, but the cross is the beacon of wisdom, of wonderful counsel. But how do I really know? that it's wonderful counsel. How can I really know that it's true wisdom? Because the cross isn't the end of the story. Three days later, wonder of wonders, Jesus is resurrected. And this wonder 
The greatest wonder of all confirms his way as the truly wise way. The resurrection confirms Jesus as the wonderful counselor. And he says it. He says it when he's standing with his disciples in his resurrected body. And I said it last week, but I'll say it again today. After being resurrected, he's standing with his disciples and he says, all authority has been given to me. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. What he's saying is the resurrection confirms that his way of life is truly wise. And because of his resurrection, he really does have the last word in every sphere of human existence. In the public, in the private, in the moral, the scientific, the economic, the sexual, the political, the legal, the medical, in business, in entertainment, in sports, in every area of our life, in the real world. He has the last word on all of it because he really is the wonderful counselor. But there's more. If he's really alive, then he can come back again. And he says he's coming back again. He's going to come back again to set all things right. As Berners said, this is another great theme of Advent. We look forward to his second coming. As Kelly sang earlier in that beautiful song, Jesus will eventually come back to make life in the real world a life without tears, without pain, without sorrow, and without shame. At some point in the future, when he returns, life will never again unravel. Life will never again fall apart because of this wonderful counselor. And it all began with a child born and a son given. Those two verbs. It all began with a gift of a child that Isaiah saw 2,800 years ago. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. So what do we do today? 2,800 years after Isaiah, what do we do? Well, number one, we want to get to know this child. We, we want to get to know this child. During this Advent time, we want to make space in our busy, fragmented lives to get to know this child. Read the Advent readings. Even more, read the Gospels and, and be filled with wonder again at the wonderful counselor And when you do, when you get to know this child, you'll find true wisdom. Who is truly wise? Who knows best how to live life in this real world? 
this child. Wisdom is not found in a rule book or self-help guide or a new philosophical system. Wisdom is found in a person. He's the great gift of this season given to every one of us. And get to know this child and you'll find true hope. Is your world falling apart? Is it unraveling? This child brings hope. Nothing can save us that is possible. The only thing that can save us is wonderful. Something of God. All those promises from chapter 9 are now realized because of this child. The people in darkness have seen a great light. There will no longer be gloom. The yokes of oppression are broken. Get to know this child and you'll find true hope. Hope that moves from darkness to light. Because this child is born, darkness does not have the last word. This child, the wonderful counselor, the light of the world shines into the darkness and conquers the darkness. Jesus, the light of the world, breaks the spell of darkness in our lives. He shines into it and makes a way through it. Hope to move from gloom to glory. Because this child is born, sorrow and gloom do not have the last word. Jesus can lift the heaviness of disappointment and despair. His presence pushes away the weight of gloom. I know this time of year is difficult for many of us. Filled with sorrow and sadness. And I would encourage you to do what this text calls us to do. Look not at the disappointments. Look not at the broken expectations. Look not at all the needs or all the losses. Look at this child. Keep your eyes fixed on this child. Because when we see him in the picture, he can break through the gloom and hope to move from oppression to freedom. Because this child is born oppression, whether it's political, economic, emotional, or spiritual, does not have the last word. Jesus, the wonderful counselor, shatters the yokes. Is not our time a time of terrible bondage? The West is being held captive, not to a superpower like Assyria and Tiggy, but to a superpower named addiction. Isn't that what's happening all around us today? Whether it's alcohol or harder drugs or pornography or money, you name it. But because this child is born, oppression does not have the last word. Because this son is given, there is hope for freedom from addiction. Jesus, the stronger than any superpower, can break the yoke of it all. 
Jesus, the wonderful counselor, can even free us from terrifying memories, crippling guilt, bitterness, self-pity, and poor self-esteem. He comes to break the yokes and set the captives free. Get to know him. Get to know this little child and you'll find true hope. And of course, the ultimate hope is that there is a day coming. There is a day coming when all of that darkness and gloom and oppression will be wiped away by the wonderful counselor. As someone has said, we don't know what the future holds, but we do know who holds the future. So get to know this child, this Advent season, and you'll find true wisdom and true hope. He is the truly wise one. He is the wonderful counselor. Amen. Well, at this point, we're just going to reflect on uh, this wonderful counselor. I'm going to invite our worship team to come up on stage and, and they'll play for us. And I invite you during this time to name any darkness, any sorrow, any bondage, any oppression in you or around you. What is out there on the border of your life? that is threatening to unravel you. And I invite you to open up these places and welcome Jesus in. Welcome this child. Invite him into your darkness. And something will happen. Maybe not this instant, maybe not today, but keep getting to know this child and something will happen. For Isaiah said at the end of that passage, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. That's a promise. The zeal of the Lord, the passion of the Lord is to overcome all darkness, all gloom, and all oppression. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. Amen. Now receive this benediction. Adapted from Thomas Cranmer's Collect for the first Sunday of Advent. As you leave here, may the Almighty God give you the grace to cast away the works of darkness and gloom and oppression and put on the armor of light. In this Advent time in which your son, Jesus Christ, came as a child in great humility, so that in the last day when he shall come again in his glorious majesty to judge both the quick and the dead, we may rise to life immortal. Through him who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit now and forever. Amen. And go in peace.